Hey, yo, fellas, ladies, gentlemen, all you people out there right now, what's poppin'? How you doing? Welcome into the second video of the weekend. That is right, two, three game slates, and now smack them both together, and you get a full six game slate breakdown, if you will. I know the salaries are different, but you get my ideas on where I like some guys, what my projections on some are, some, some peek behind the curtains on those projections. You can find the full projections, ownership, all that type of stuff, rankings on Patreon down below. This might be the best slate on the entire season for the NFL. Now, obviously, NFL Week 17, if you're paying close attention, you're going to be having a massive edge in news like the Darwin Thompson plays like last week. But if you're just talking about pure viewership, right, the entertainment value that you get from it, three games all day on a Saturday, three games all day on a Sunday. You do not get that type of entertainment all day long at any other point during the season. And you're not going to have that much volume than just this week. So if you're not playing NFL DFS this week and you've played every other week, obviously, if you have some prior obligations, that's something. Maybe you're getting married, which I mean, hey, it's going to be a tough decision for you, which you're going to be doing on that day. But, 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 and this is a big old booty. If you have the time to be playing, you should be playing this week. And I'm here to break down the Sunday slate. We already released a Saturday slate video. So if you're watching this one, that one's already out. Maybe you haven't watched that one yet, so be sure to check it out after you watch this one. We will also be live on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. East Coast time, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. East Coast time, breaking down each of the three game slates, taking your questions from that Q&A base. So be sure to hit that like button, right? The, the like button takes a couple seconds. The big old subscribe button is the one you should be smacking around right now because you'll be notified if you hit that little bell of when we do indeed go live. So when you're waking up, you're making your bacon and eggs, your toast, your jam, whatever you got going on right now, and then you get a little notification that says, hey, Sal's going live, and you're like, oh, 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 oh. I actually had a question about Drew Brees. I'm going to have to go and ask him right now. Bam, there you go. We're going to help you out. And the video is brought to you today by Jock Market, which I continue to like even more by the week, especially with the NBA season going on, because now I just don't have to wait until Sunday to play Jock Market, right? And I don't have to worry about it in the last two minutes when I'm parking my car trying to get my nachos, right? Trying to watch the football stuff that all my shares get taken on Sunday. No, no, no. Now, now I can play every single night if I would like to in the NBA. Jock Market is where you can buy stock in players, right? You can buy stock in players. It's a ton of fun. Daily fantasy sports get smacked together with the stock exchange. And the whole premise is there's an IPO, initial public offering, that is about four hours long for the NFL. Normally, it will open at 8 a.m. and close at noon, but then you could even buy and sell after that. But the best value you're going to be finding is when you're bidding on these player stocks. Think about it like eBay. You're trying to buy low, but not low enough to where somebody else can outbid you for those shares. And in those final five or 10 minutes, we had a, a live video the other day for the NBA. And I gave a, basically a live reaction trying to get my shares, and people were stealing my shares of John Wall. I had to buy more shares of Andre Drummond and all this stuff. And I was basically going crazy because it is that exciting. And it's just a ton of fun in general because if you can identify value basically in DraftKings or any other DFS space if you have the ability to identify the value right where guys are underpriced things like that normally that will translate over to jock market and then also if you can just project out high projecting players you will have a very good time on jock market so if you use the code sal10 that is sal10 you can download the app today on whatever phone and device that you may have for totally free and when you sign up with the code sal10 sal10 they will give you a free ten dollar bonus to play with check out jock market it is a ton of fun they're going to be sponsoring some nba live streams coming up and i can only imagine that's going to be even more fun so be sure to check it out again the code sal10 lets them know that you came from me so let's start this video up with the quarterback page and honestly the quarterback pages there's not that much interest for me obviously on the six game slate it's going to be a lot more but there's not that many guys that just stand out and go wow that's the guy right like the saturday slate we broke down uh, that game in general for buffalo and indy philip rivers and on the opposite side of it being josh allen the top option i believe on that slate that stands out but that stands out as the obvious play and yet again on this slate the 7800 quarterback is going to stand out as the obvious play and and it's pretty interesting because, look, the highest team total on the slate, although there's three teams basically coming in right around a 29 implied team total, a three-point favorite, and I would say the best matchup on the slate against a weak Tennessee secondary. Lamar Jackson has somehow piled on, right? The first half of the season, people are like, oh my God, I drafted Lamar Jackson in the second round. He's doing nothing for me. And then basically the second half of the season, starting on the almost the exact day against Indy, he starts piling up points, 19 points. 
22 and a half points, 27 points, 35 points, 30, 21.3, 25.2, right? And remarkably, in none of those games does he throw for over 250 yards. Only one time this season has he thrown for over 250 yards, and that was week one for 275 yards. Yet again, as you would assume, he's doing it all on the ground. Rushing totals to close out the year as 94, 125, 35, 80, and 97. And in that game where he only had 35 rushing yards, he ends up scoring a touchdown. He's absolutely dominating on the ground. That's why he's the price point that he is right now. That's why he leads this slate right now at the quarterback position in fantasy points per attempt at 0.909 outside of Taysom Hill, who we're not really going to be projecting as the starting primary quarterback this week. The next closest is basically Ryan Tannehill at 0.728 because he also has some rushing upside that you've seen, some rushing touchdowns, that long one against the Packers a couple weeks back of like 45 yards. That's going to increase that fantasy points per attempt drop back, but it's still nowhere near what you're getting out of Mr. Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson, overall this season, he's dropped a lot, but his yards per attempt is now finishing out above the year in season average at 7.3, and he continues to throw downfield. So there is big play upside there for you. Right now, he's air yards per attempt is fourth in the NFL at 8.6. So I like the upside there. I'm not really looking, though, to stack Lamar Jackson. Like if I end up with a Mark Andrews, that's pretty simple. There's not that many tight end options, right? If I end up with a Hollywood Brown, I don't think he's one of the best value wide receiver type plays in the slate, but I think he's decent. But look, if I get Lamar Jackson with the primary stack will be Mark Andrews for me because tight end's a shitty position and there's not that many options to choose from, then that's fine with me. But if I'm just going to be running on a three game slate, Lamar Jackson naked, I'm also okay with that. So Lamar Jackson for me at $7,800 is firmly in play right now. The projection that I have on Lamar Jackson, you can see all the projections, rankings, ownership. By the time that you're viewing this, will probably also be out. Link down below on my Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. I have Lamar Jackson for six more fantasy points than any other quarterback on this slate. And that's just medium projection. I have his ceiling being well higher than anybody else's ceiling on the slate as well. I have Lamar Jackson for 24.6 DraftKings points right now. Now, my second favorite play is going to be the complete opposite. He's going to be a value option, but I like him a lot. And that's Mr. Mitch Trubisky. Now, he's not my second highest projected player, so don't get it twisted when you see the yes by his name. It's nothing like that at all. He's just a complete value at this price tag. I actually think Mitch Trubisky should probably be somewhere in the $6,000 price range, but he's not. He's not even close to that. Trubisky himself was closing out the season very nicely, and then he ended up having to face the Green Bay Packers in a game where they had to at one point win, and then the Cardinals also didn't matter as much. But before that week, his team was putting up massive points week in and week out. He was putting up 25 points, 15 points, and 25 points three out of the four weeks before he closed the season off with a very poor performance of just 252 yards. Last week was the first time all year playing in a game that he did not find a passing touchdown or a touchdown in total. So again, I don't know how much we could really take from that, but I have Mitchell Trubisky projecting out for over 17 fantasy points right now, only an 18.75 team implied total. So it's the lowest team implied total on the slate. They are the biggest underdogs as 10 point underdogs against New Orleans in this one. So normally I'm not going to be playing that type of a quarterback, but based on how cheap that he is, right? The other only other quarterbacks that are cheap on the slate, Baker Mayfield, I have no interest in a 20 point five team implied total, but projects out much worse. And he's more expensive than Mitch Trubisky for me. Same thing for Drew Brees. Drew Brees right now, I have projecting out compared to Mitchell Trubisky. I actually have Drew Brees for only 0.2 more fantasy points, but Drew Brees is $400 more. So you're going to have Mitch Trubisky projecting out as a much better play. Mitch Trubisky is my number one point per dollar value quarterback right above Lamar Jackson. They're my top two. Mitch Trubisky is actually my highest projected super draft play with a 1.45x multiplier right now. So another sponsor of some of our shows. If you want to check out Superdraft, there's information down below how to get a nice little deposit bonus and also play on a very fun multiplier format with no salary caps where it's much easier competition. Your odds of winning a lot of dollar riskies are very high over there because it's easier competition and people have no idea how to use projections. There you go, Mitch Trubisky. Nobody's going to be playing him. We're not anywhere near as much as the people that will play Big Ben and Lamar Jackson on the slate, even though Trubisky for me is my highest projected option there. So you're going to get some upside out of Mitch Trubisky. You're going to get really just, I mean, the rushing upside is definitely there for him, right? You're not getting a lot of it as of late, but you're still getting around 20 rushing yards per game, which is very quietly on this slate if we're not counting Taysom Hill is going to be coming in second only behind Lamar 
Jackson. That is very sneaky. That is sneaky up so that you can pick up an extra two to three points on the ground, basically eliminating any or adding a touchdown, right? The four point touchdown or eliminating any turnovers that he might have that you're probably going to be getting out of guys like Big Ben, Baker Mayfield, whatever it might be. So although the team total is not appealing by any means, I like the upside that you get out of Mitch Trubisky just at the price point. And there's definitely a ceiling on Mitch Trubisky that we haven't seen in a little while now, right? I mean, we kind of saw it back in week 14 against Houston, a really bad secondary. This is going to be a much better secondary against New Orleans. There's definitely a lot of red flags in Mitch Trubisky. He would be a GPP only option for me. And you have a lot of stacking options. So Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney would be my top two stacking options. And Mooney is very affordable and a very nice option this week. Mitch Trubisky is going to see a negative 30% pass blocking advantage against New Orleans this week. So that is definitely a concern. I mean, this is a very good New Orleans defense, right? Overall total defense, whether it is their secondary, whether it is their pass rush. Right now, their pass rush is going to rank seventh overall. And right now, their secondary ranks 19th overall. So dropping below the, average, the season average so far. But you also have Marshawn Lattimore dealing with injuries for a lot of the first half of the season, which is obviously going to affect that. So Mitchell Drabisky, if he has time, him being mobile can help. Maybe it leads to a little bit more scrambles in this game. I do like it. I do like the positive matchup advantages that you're probably going to be seeing for Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson. So Trubisky is my second yes. Keeping in mind, keeping in mind that that does not mean I'm going to be having an overwhelming amount. Like if I end up getting Lamar Jackson in 60% of my lineups, me having 20% Mitchell Trubisky just means that he's coming in right around my like 2A, 2B options. Some other quarterbacks that I do like, I do like Big Ben Roethlisberger at $6,100. And if you know me, you know that I think Ben Roethlisberger is absolutely toast and done. But at the $6,100 price point, I do think there's some meat left on the bone, especially when he has these three elite wide receivers, in my opinion, the three elite yards after the catch wide receivers, he's going to be coming in with a minus 10% pass blocking advantage because this Cleveland pressure rate has actually been pretty good this season. Cleveland ranks 11th overall in pressure right now. And Cleveland currently ranks 20th right now in secondary coverage. Big Ben this season is averaging 252 yards per game and just 6.2 yards per attempt. So, so here's here's the critics that came out when they were 11 and 0. And I said that Big Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere near an MVP candidate. But some people are saying, hey, if this team goes 16 and 0, Big Ben should win the MVP award because he led his team to an undefeated record. Well, at that time, these numbers that I'm about to tell you were not even different. They might have even been a little bit worse at that time, right? Than what I'm about to tell you. Big Ben, his yards per attempt right now, an efficiency metric in terms of how good really a statistic, one of the like three or four that you can kind of tell how good a quarterback has played this year, 6.2. The NFL average is 7.2. He ranks 32nd, 32nd out of 32 NFL teams, uh, 32nd in quarterbacks and yards per attempt this season. Okay, let, let's keep looking. He ranks 21st in accuracy. So, so just keep in mind, these are the people that say that this is an MVP caliber quarterback. He ranks 21st in accuracy right now. He ranks 33rd when he has a clean pocket to throw from, 36th in play action passing, which is supposed to increase your efficiency, right? This is not a good quarterback by any means. 22nd in total QBR at this point. So, I mean, there's some numbers in here that can get you encouraged, like his true completion percentage is up, but that also means that, you know, he's his average yards per attempt, right? Where he's not throwing that deep downfield, 6.2 yards per attempt. He's getting a lot of yards after the catch from his wide receivers because his average depth of target is not that far down the field. But the reason why I do like him, we can trash him all we want. The reason why I do like him to a certain extent is one, it's only a three game slate, but two, he has some incredible wide receivers, right? He has three wide receivers that are great at after yards after the catch, whether it is Chase Claypool hitting the rookie wall a little bit, but Deontay Johnson, Juju, all three of these guys are great after the catch this year. And you're going to probably continue to see that. You're going to have positive matchup advantages for Deontay Johnson this week. You're going to have a positive matchup advantage in a major one for Juju Schmidt-Schuster, James Washington. Here's the thing, right? Cleveland secondary this week, they're likely to having to be starting a man named Robert Jackson out there and a man named MJ Stewart in the slot. You probably never heard of him. And there's a reason why Robert Jackson is allowing 2.48 yards per cover route so far this year. Anything like over 1.3 starts to become a problem. 2.48, I believe is the worst one in the playoffs. Yes, that is the worst in the playoffs right now. And then the second worst in the playoffs is the Cleveland Browns slot cornerback, MJ Stewart. So the two worst cornerbacks in terms of yards per cover route allowed are going to be going up against Pittsburgh this week. So you already have efficient wide receivers because of how good they are after the catch. So this really doesn't have much to do with Big Ben, although this is how bad this quarterback slate is in terms of passers. Big Ben's 254 yards per game right now, which is a good number, but it's not 
nothing crazy. It actually leads this slate. His 40.5 pass attempts lead the slate by eight. So you're probably going to get volume out of Big Ben here. You're going to be getting a decent amount of yards relative to other guys on the slate. And you have just one of the best matchups you can possibly have against a torn up and banged up secondary that might even be down even more bodies due to some of the COVID stuff going on in Cleveland right now. So Big Ben, it really has not much to do with him. He can throw these five yard, 10 yard passes all day. And I still think he can get you to a position where $6,100 pays off that tag. Now, the only reason why I put Drew Brees on here at 5,700 as an interest to me, I'm not going to have any interest in obviously Taysom Hill. I'm probably not going to have much interest in Ryan Tannehill this week. Although I like Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. I think that this matchup is going to be a little bit tough in that secondary, probably no Jimmy Smith. So that's definitely going to help him. I still like getting to some of the wide receivers that you have out there, but Derrick Henry, as it's probably going to be the chalky option there is the spot that I lean to on that offense. Baker Mayfield, I'm not going to be getting to. I think this is going to be a really rough time for Baker Mayfield. Even if he has a decent game out there, let's just say he throws for above his season average, which is 223 yards. Let's say he throws for 240, 250. I think it's been going to be really tough for him at $5,400 to really be a GPP winner for you. Against the top pressure rate, against a top three pass rush against a top two secondary. It's just going to be really tough for them in general. So Drew Brees is on here because of if Michael Thomas returns. If Michael Thomas returns this week, I think you have a very sturdy stacking option for Drew Brees. If not, I mean, you still have Alvin Kamara if you want to put him in your game stacks, but the Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas game stack, I actually think that that's pretty appealing because of how cheap Drew Brees is. Again, I only have Drew Brees for 17.4 fantasy points as a 10 point favorite. The second highest team total, basically a virtual tie at 28.75 for the highest on the slate. And you're getting that veteran presence in the playoffs. It's going to be a negative 50 percent pass blocking advantage this week for Drew Brees, which is your one concerning spot because Chicago's defense is just that good. Chicago right now in pressure and run defense, they rank six. If you're looking at their pressure rate, they rank fourth overall. And in their secondary right now, they rank 13th. So again, this is a good defense. I think you're going to see a lower scoring game here. I do think that this Saints team's wins. That's where I would lean. If anything, obviously the money line for them, they're like 10 point favorites. It seems pretty obvious. But if that's the case, I do think it's going to be coming more so in the passing game. I don't think it's going to be a game where Latavius Murray gets 20 attempts. Maybe it is. And maybe that's the, the underdog way to win the million dollars. But I don't think it's going to be the case. I think that you're probably going to see Drew Brees see somewhere around his average, which on this slate is pretty high. Like if Drew Brees throws his average 33 times, that would be the second highest on the slate only behind Big Ben. So you get a little bit of passing volume there. I only like Drew Brees in some of my lineups if Michael Thomas is back. If not, I'm not sacking him up with Marcus Callaway and Emmanuel Sanders and those those goonies out there in New Orleans. So Lamar Jackson, Mitch Trubisky, and Big Ben is kind of where I'm, I'm leading this slate right now at the quarterback position and, and edging to get to. Now let's get over to the running back position where I think there's a lot of options for us and, and it's a lot of ways to maybe get a little bit different here. Everybody's going to be wanting to play Mr. Derrick Henry. It's hard not to want to play Derrick Henry at this point, right? The 2,000-yard man, the man that outside of the person who came in second place in rushing yards this season, he was like 900 yards more than the third-place finisher, just an absolute monster this year, ended up finishing the season with 112 evaded tackles. That led the league 997 yards after contact. That led the league as well. He had 21 breakaway runs of 15 or more yards. He was number four in true yards per carry. So not only did he have the volume, he remained efficient at 5.4 actual yards per carry and 4.9 true yards per carry. Again, 2,027 rushing yards an absolute monster finishing off the season with 34 attempts for 252 yards and two tuds versus Houston. Absolute monster performance. His two performances versus Houston this year, just for reference, in week six, he had 22 attempts, 264 total yards and two touchdowns. This man went over 500 total yards and four touchdowns in two games against his division rival, the Houston Texans. Just an absolute nut job. Derrick Henry is. At $9,200, I like him, but I actually do prefer Alvin Kamara. Derrick Henry is definitely going to be picking up ownership. I currently have Derrick Henry 
as a 21.8 projected points makes him a fine option makes him my number three overall play at the running back position this week but Alvin Kamara will be my top play at the running back position and this is actually factoring in Michael Thomas playing so if Michael Thomas was to not play this week it gets even better for Kamara I have Kamara for a little bit more than Derrick Henry at 22 fantasy points as of right now Kamara is a 10 point favorite a little bit higher of a team total and I, I just like to target share right that's a big thing here we know that all season long that's the obvious reason that separates these two guys 1.092 fantasy points per touch for Alvin Kamara compared to 0.791 for Derrick Henry now that's fantasy points per touch so if Derrick Henry sees 30 touches and Kamara only sees 18 well obviously it's going to start to balance out and that's how it's balanced out all season long but Kamara is by far the most efficient running back on the slate the next closest is actually J.K. Dobbins the rookie from Baltimore a little bit of a smaller sample there in touchdowns propping that up whereas Kamara's is just overall volume right if there's no Michael Thomas you're probably going to see a 30% target share even if Michael Thomas is in there you're probably going to see around a 25% target share the last time that we saw Mr. Alvin Kamara him not playing in week 17 you ended up seeing that six touchdown game 172 total yards and a whopping 59.2 DraftKings points by far the number one option that week Alvin Kamara so far this season has finished as a number one running back three times has finished as a top five running back seven times this year and he has finished as a top 10 running back 12 times this year that's even playing with Taysom Hill a couple weeks where he's still able to manage a couple of top 10 finishes Alvin Kamara finished off the final month of his season with 18 22 18 and 59 draft king points performances so Alvin Kamara is somebody that I obviously like some efficiency metrics evaded tackles he finished the year number three yards per touch he finished second with 6.3 yards per touch his target share amongst running backs by far number one at 22.3 and very surprisingly probably for a lot of people he ended up seeing the seventh most goal line carries right we're, we're familiar with Latavius Murray being there Mark Ingram in the past but this guy still gets a lot of red zone and goal line work he ended up with the fourth most red zone touches with 57 this year and again the seventh most goal line touches with 10 on the season Alvin Kamara is somebody that I like a lot and then David Montgomery David Montgomery Montgomery is finally going to have a more difficult opponent this week where he finished off the season just facing a cakewalk matchups, if you will. He got hurt against the Packers last week. It looked pretty gruesome, but then he came right back out and he continued to play. He ended up putting up 22 touches on the ground, nine receptions, 31 total touches versus the Packers for 132 yards and a touchdown. He ended up finishing with 28.2 DraftKings points. That continued his streak where he started week 12 against the Packers, finished the season week 17 versus the Packers. So when starting in week 12, all the way to week 17, those final six weeks of the season, he was a top 10 running back week in and week week out he was actually a top eight running back in every single one of those weeks and he was a top five running back in four of those weeks he finished off his final six weeks with performances of 28 30 27 32 23 and 28 fantasy points and he's doing a lot of it because of his participation in the passing game since week four he is the number one running back he is ahead of Ezekiel Elliott the number one running back in yards per route run in overall receptions targets routes running general he's been an absolute monster this is what he's done the last couple of weeks the passing game usage siphoned off a little bit right he was ending up seeing five receptions four receptions three one two and then he saw nine receptions this past week with Mitch Trubisky he scored touchdowns in every single game since week 12 and multiple touchdown games in week 13 and week 15 so these are definitely propping up his performance the other thing to keep in mind is this is nowhere near as simple of a matchup as these past couple of weeks as Chicago will now see a minus 12% run blocking advantage in the past couple of weeks including two matchups against Green Bay in all six of these weeks he's faced bottom half of the league run defenses while this week he's going to be facing the New Orleans Saints number two overall run defense that overall ranks 13th in tackling so it's a little bit more difficult of a matchup for Montgomery but I think he's kind of priced for it like this was a guy that was priced around $7,500 $7,700 to close out the year now he's $6,900 I prefer Kamara over Montgomery but I currently have Montgomery is my second overall play in terms of value at 16.8 points and my third highest projected running back. I like Montgomery at $6,900. After that, you can kind of pick your pieces here. Like if you're looking for lower owned types of players, I do think that James Conner is going to be coming in very lower owned, assuming that James Conner plays in this game. I actually think it's a pretty nice spot for James Conner against Cleveland. The matchup that you're going to be getting here for Pittsburgh is a minus 11% run blocking advantage against Cleveland's run defense that currently is going to be coming in ranked bottom half of the league as 18th overall. Cleveland 
currently ranks in their tackling department 10th overall so that's where it gets a little bit more difficult for James Conner but James Conner on a per touch basis this season has not been all that bad at all and now he's coming off of a couple of decent performances this past week he saw 17 total opportunities and eight targets was great to see for him right in week 17 when he's playing with a backup quarterback 11.2 fantasy points the week before that he finishes as a top 15 running back overall and then the week before that in week 16 versus Indy he ends up only seeing five carries but he catches all five of his targets overall that's a game where they were trailing by a lot so it's really tough to really get a lot of carries in the first half when you're down by three touchdowns pretty quickly for most of the game but what you're seeing out of James Conner is somebody that's been pretty efficient I would say this season now yards per touch wise no not at all a lot of his touches coming in the red zone is going to drop that number in general but his yards created right now is number 20 in the league and this is after missing like two and a half games so far this season his evaded tackles again ranks 15th in the league again after missing a lot of games seventh in breakaway runs so far this season so by no means do I think James Conner is one of the top 10 backs after seeing him this season but at $5,000 flat if I think he's going to come out here and pretty much be locked into probably 12 touches in this game as long as it stays within reach and he's a six point favorite now at 26 and a half implied total if I think he's going to see at least 12 touches which so far this season he's averaging 16.3 opportunities per game 13 carries per game and he's currently averaging 2.7 receptions per game for a 12.7 fantasy point per game overall metric at the end of the year if I think he sees somewhere around his average in this game yeah if he ends up scoring 12.7 or 13 fantasy points he's going to smash on this slate if I projected I'm not projecting him for that right now I'm projecting him closer to 11 and change but if I projected James Conner for 13 fantasy points he would be my number one overall play in the slate and that's him just doing what he's done on average this season in what I would consider a pretty nice spot for him now Nick Chubb is the guy that I think is going to be kind of lost a little bit uh, because of just the matchup that you're going to be getting but guys have torn up this Pittsburgh defense in the past Gus Edwards has done it a couple times right JK Dobbins has also done it right you're going to be seeing Nick Chubb come in here he just faced Pittsburgh in week 17 he didn't get to face him the first time because of injury but in week 17 he ended up seeing 14 carries on the ground the issue is now you had no receptions in that game for him which is something that you'll kind of be used to but he goes over 100 yards gets the bonus and sees a touchdown right he's been a very efficient running back this year on a per touch basis he's up there this season with the Dalvin Cooks of the world he's up there this season with the Derrick Henry's of the world he ranks sixth in evaded tackles in the yards created standpoint he is number one number one in the NFL in yards created per touch overall yards created this year is number three he's third overall in true yards per carry so Nick Chubb is somebody that I see him at $6,700 he's a maybe right now for me but if I say let's let's just say that these two top guys and Kamara and Henry pick up a lot of ownership projected ownership right you see that below on Patreon that should be out in later today probably let's say David Montgomery's picking up double the ownership as Nick Chubb easy pivot easy pivot for $200 less than Nick Chubb let's just say they're both picking up 20% I, I would choose David Montgomery because of the passing game usage there right uh, and just I would consider it an easier matchup not by much against Pittsburgh but even with the lack of a passing game the three weeks prior to last week where he saw no receptions he saw two receptions two receptions and five total receptions in week 16 that's obviously the outlier by far the most he's seen this season because he has not seen any other games above three this year but that is good to see that we at least have a little bit of a floor like two catches for 17 yards is not terrible we'll take that we'll take that right now I'll sign up for that because there's a real chance at goose eggs at a Nick Chubb because four times this season he has not caught a ball in a game and then when you factor in games of just one reception that's seven of his games so more than half of his games since he has missed some games and injuries he's caught one or less passes but Nick Chubb right now third on the slate in fantasy points per touch 5.6 yards per carry is just an absolute monster I like Nick Chubb to this point I think that he's a pretty nice sleeper for you Kareem Hunt if you wanted to go to the opposite side of that one and say that he gets a little bit more passing game usage Kareem Hunt also sees a lot of red zone usage still so although you're going to get Nick Chubb as one of the most red zone touchbacks on a per game basis you have Kareem Hunt right now at 48 red zone touches three per game this season ranks 11th overall you're getting Kareem Hunt with eight goal line touches ranks 14th overall as he is kind of the 1b1a in this backfield and seventh innovated tackles so Kareem Hunt is also in play you might be interested in playing JK Dobbins because of what he did in week 17 because of how he's kind of taken over this backfield because Mark Ingram has not been active as of late but JK Dobbins very quietly seeing less snaps probably because of a little bit of blowouts as well but since he kind of took over the starting job whether it was week 11 or week 14 whatever you want to kind of designate it as with 60 plus percent of the snaps his snaps have gone down in each of the past four weeks again blowouts can be the reason there but they're still giving 
giving a lot of touches to obviously Lamar Jackson, but they're still giving a lot of touches to Gus Edwards. So if you're going to be only getting 11 carries like you did two weeks ago, 13 carries this past week out of J.K. Dobbins, it's not always going to result in these massive games. Like last week on 42% of the snaps, he had 13 overall touches on the ground, all of them, right? He hasn't seen a reception now in two games, and he's only seen one reception out of his last five games. That's a concern for J.K. Dobbins. But he had 13 carries on the ground for 160 yards and two touchdowns. He finished as the number six running back last week with 31 DraftKings points. So a lot of people are going to try and jump to J.K. Dobbins at $6,600. Give me David Montgomery. Give me Nick Chubb in that range ahead of him, right? The volume is not there. You're banking on insane efficiency out of J.K. Dobbins, which he has been efficient this year, but I'm not going to bank on that to continue in this matchup against Tennessee. J.K. Dobbins in this game, getting you 12 carries, Lamar Jackson running for 10 times, and Gus Edwards running for 10 times is probably what's going to happen. So more times than not, J.K. Dobbins, his 12 carries, they're probably going to result in 50 or 60 yards because he's a good running back. And honestly, that's even a little bit above average. That's well above average. The guy's averaging six yards per carry so far this season. But I'm not going to be banking on that resulting in a performance at 6,600 where his six or seven fantasy points isn't getting it done. Even his 10, 12 fantasy points might not be getting it done for you at that price point. You need Dobbins to start scoring 15 plus points. And on a per touch basis, if he's not finding the end zone, it's going to be very difficult for him to do so. I currently have Dobbins on this slate for only 11.6 fantasy points. I actually have James Conner, who's much cheaper for slightly more fantasy points. So that's where I'm at the running back position. I like Henry. I like Kamara more than Henry. Montgomery and Chubb. I currently have more interest in Montgomery projection wise over Chubb. I have a projector for a little bit more, but if Chubb is going to be massively under owned, I can slide right over to Chubb. The wide receiver position, as always, is going to be the most loaded and i think it's very fun on this slate honestly on both slates it's pretty fun to check out the wide receiver position so you have an alpha on this slate a couple of alphas if we actually get michael thomas back and healthy but alan robinson is the alpha of all alphas in my opinion on this slate alan robinson this week is going to be seeing a matchup against mr marshawn Lattimore, which pro football focus has it as a positive 27 percent matchup he currently has a three inch and 19 pound advantage over marshawn Lattimore, who allows a 58 percent catch rate which is pretty good on defense and 1.27 yards per cover out this year which is tied for the second worst on this entire saturday and Sunday total slate. You're just getting all the usage out of Allen Robinson. For whatever reason, they didn't use Allen Robinson last week. This kind of happens against some of their divisional rivals like Minnesota twice this year. He's kind of just been quiet, five targets to close the season out against Green Bay. He ran 44 routes, but only five targets, one red zone target, two catches for 37 yards. Had a pretty nice deep catch towards the end, which really didn't matter at that point. But 9.4 targets per game for Allen Robinson so far this season. You're getting the fourth most routes from and the third most targets on the season, fourth most red zone targets as well. Allen Robinson at $6,500. That's too cheap. That's too cheap. This, this is a guy, all the wide receivers are cheap on the slate outside of maybe AJ Brown. Allen Robinson week in and week out was approaching the $7,500 range to $8,000 range to close out the season. Now he's $6,500. It's a softer salary because people, a lot of casuals are going to play the NFL DFS slate on the weekend. So they wanted to make it very easy for you to build lineups. You don't have to be like, ah, I don't really want to play this guy that I've never heard of. So it's going to be very easy to fit in a lot of studs. So I like Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson right now, if I pull up the Patreon projections is my highest price wide receiver. Michael Thomas, we're just projecting a lot of rates from last year. It's really tough to project for Michael Thomas when he hasn't played that many games at all with Drew Brees this season. We haven't seen him since week 14 against Philadelphia where he ran 42 routes caught all eight of his targets for 84 yards right he's been good when he's been on the field he's been piling up massive reception games three out of his last four games this season he's seen eight 11 and 12 targets partially with Taysom Hill, but he's had eight, nine, and nine receptions in those games. That is basically just vintage Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas, I'll have a lot of interest in at $6,300. He might even be one of my favorite plays at the wide receiver position. I currently have Michael Thomas basically uh, as a top three wide receiver play this week. Deontay Johnson is somebody, he would be my Pittsburgh wide receiver I'd choose the most out of. I don't think Deontay Johnson is a priority on this slate. I think there's probably two or three other priorities on this slate, but at $6,200, you can easily make a lineup this week if you choose an Alvin Kamara and you punt tight end. You could really make a lineup with an Allen Robinson and Michael Thomas and Deontay Johnson. Like those three 
three guys are absolute monsters. Uh, Deontay Johnson continues to just see massive volume. I currently have Deontay Johnson projected out for 15.8 total points. Deontay Johnson would be my favorite Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, but I have interest in all three of them. They're all three in play for me. I think Deontay Johnson has the highest upside. He will probably see a matchup against Terrence Mitchell. He'll also get some Robert Jackson, who again has given up the most yards per cover route in a smaller sample so far on the season. Terrence Mitchell has given up a 56% catch rate. has been pretty decent this year, but it's still a positive 7% matchup for Mr. Deontay Johnson. Now, my number one value play on the entire weekend is Corey Davis because his price point at $4,800 has come down way, way, way too much for one of the most efficient wide receivers. That is correct. One of the most efficient wide receivers so far this season. Corey Davis is going to get paid this offseason and he could only help himself out even more if he does it in this game. Now, a tough matchup where he'll probably see Marcus Peters in this game, but Corey Davis finished the season off as the number four, which is probably the biggest metric you can give to see how efficient and good a wide receiver was in a season. The number four yards per route run wide receiver at 2.67. He was the number eight in yards per target overall. He ended up finishing up the season with 984 yards because he kind of crawled to the finish line, not the greatest performances to end out the year. He got goose egged against Jair Alexander in week 16 in that cold weather game. And then in week 17 in Houston, he ended up putting up 11 targets, which is good to see, but he only brought in five of them for 39 yards, but he saw 150 air yards. The buy low at $4,800 has never been higher for me on Corey Davis. You're coming off of a week where everything was silenced, right? Uh, he only had a zero points against the Packers. Well, the week before that, he saw 21 points. He saw a six targets, 110 yards, 93 yards. This past week, he saw 11 targets, which the 11 targets were the second most he's seen this year. And the 150 errors for Corey Davis was the most he's seen this year. He's still well involved in this offense. I think you're going to get a lot of usage downfield for Corey Davis, even the matchup against Marcus Peters, who is having a down year for Marcus Peters compared to last year. Corey Davis is probably my number one value play and upside play at the wide receiver position. Rashad Higgins and Darnell Mooney, both are too cheap right now. Rashad Higgins operating as a number two wide receiver. Rashad Higgins probably this week will see a difficult matchup against Steven Nelson on the outside. Nelson only allowing 0 0.9, 0.9 yards per cover out and a 57% catch rate. I would choose right now Darnell Mooney over Rashad Higgins. Darnell Mooney will probably see Janoris Jenkins, who has allowed a 1.17 yards per cover out. So basically average, like I think it's still a fine matchup. But Darnell Mooney, in my opinion, has just been quietly, underratedly, one of the better, if not one of the most underrated rookie wide receivers so far this season. He's coming off a week against the Packers where he saw 13 targets, 11 receptions, got banged up in that game, but came back in. Again, 20 plus fantasy points. The air yards have kind of dropped, which is the concern with Mitch Trubisky. Like Nick Foles was targeting him downfield nonstop earlier this year, starting in week seven, 192 yards, 102, 116 yards, 147 yards in four to five weeks. Then he closed up the season, which is 37, 43, and 84 yards. But the air yards were coming up in that game. A lot of it was because of the 13 target volume. But Mooney is an extremely underrated route runner, and he's just too cheap. Him being in the $3,000 range on this slate, surrounded by guys like Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, Anthony Miller, his teammate, is not even fair by any means. Right now, Darna Mooney is 11th in the NFL in deep targets, and he's seeing the volume on this team. He's just too cheap. I like him. AJ Brown is fine on this slate at 7K. Like, he's not expensive himself. He's actually cheaper than he's been in the past couple of weeks. I think he closed the season up being $7,200, and he was fantastic in that game against Houston. But he's more expensive than anybody else. When you're $500 more expensive than the, ne the next closest guy, and those guys are Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of an issue with it. Jarvis Landry at 5,800 in a tough matchup. I think he still sees the volume enough to stay in play. Juju Smith Schuster is very close to a yes for me because Juju at $5,500, the amount of red zone usage that Juju Smith Schuster is seeing this year, the matchup that you're going to see, a massive positive matchup for Juju Smith Schuster, especially if you're playing Ben this week, sacking him up with Juju and Deontay Johnson makes a lot of sense. Juju with a positive 25% matchup against MJ Stewart, again, who's been terrible, allowing a 72% catch rate out of the slot so far. I mean, Kevin Johnson might come back this week, but we'll have to just see what happens there. Either way, it's going to be a positive matchup advantage for Juju, who leads the NFL in routes run this year, who leads the NFL right now in slot snaps. His red zone targets are fourth overall. He's been seeing a ton, a ton, a ton of usage to close out the season. Eight targets, 13 targets, six, seven, 10, nine is basically his final six weeks of the year right now. And Juju has been as consistent as they come over the second half of the season. $5,500, when you put his, his, his price right now next to Chase Claypool, who has not been consistent. Emmanuel Sanders, not been consistent. Landry lately has been consistent, but 
but on the overall year, not consistent. And Hollywood Brown, nowhere near consistent. Juju by far stands out as the best option, in my opinion, in the 5K range. It's Corey Davis in the 4K range for me. If I had to pick one player in that 6K range that I like the most, I would probably end up picking Mr. Michael Thomas if he's indeed 100% fully healthy. So that's where I'm at with wide receivers. Let's close it up with tight ends, which if you watched the Saturday video already, not that many great tight ends on the Saturday slate. But if you want to close it up with the tight ends on this slate, there's actually some decent tight ends to be choosing from. And guys that I do like, and you'll see that just based on having uh, more than one yes. We had the one yes on Logan Thomas. Now we have a couple yeses here. Mark Andrews, yes. Nothing to not like about Mark Andrews, who leads this slate in targets for tight ends at 6.3, who is by far, in a way, the clear stacking option for me for Lamar Jackson. I'm going to have interest in Mr. Mark Andrews on this slate. Mark Andrews will see a positive 20% matchup advantage against the cover linebacker for the Tennessee Titans and Kenny Vaccaro, who allows a 77% catch rate so far this season. Mark Andrews has lined up in the slot 63% of the time, which is elite usage. That 63% of the time is basically a virtual tie with Logan Thomas for the weekend, who is on the Saturday slate. So his 63% by far leads this slate, and he's 9% out wide. He's a yes for me. Eric Ebron. If we can get Eric Ebron to return healthy, right? He missed that last game of the season. It was kind of ruled out because he's been dealing with injury. But if we can get Eric Ebron to return healthy, and if we could actually get him to catch passes, he drops these easy five-yard passes, which just ruin our, our fantasy point upside that we're trying to find. But right now, he is running the ninth most routes out of any tight end. And again, he did miss that last week of the season. But when he's out there, he's playing very well, right? You ended up seeing in week 16, very vintage Eric Ebron performance this year. Five catches, seven targets, 47 yards, and a tutty. He had 15.7 points. Then you look at the stretch that he went on when he was seeing just targets left and right. Eight, five, six, six, seven, 11, 11. That's basically closing out the season for Eric Ebron. He had one bad game against Cincinnati where the entire team stunk and laid an egg. And Giovanni Bernard was the captain that week and went off for two touchdowns. Led by Mr. Ryan Finley as massive underdogs winning that game. And he had 16% of the snaps because he got hurt in that game. So we can't count that against him. Basically, Eric Ebron has seen five or more targets in every single game since week six when he's been healthy. Eric Ebron is a very strong play at $3,700 as long as he's in there and he is healthy. So just check the practice reports. And Eric Ebron's matchup will be against a couple guys, but if it's against Jacob Phillips, who allows a 94% catch rate in a small sample and 1.39 yards per cover, which is the worst on the entire NFL weekend, that looks very good. John o. Smith slowly starting to see a little bit more usage. John o. Smith, because of how cheap his price point is, is going to grade out if I pull up my tight end projections again, follow along the projections down below. He will grade out is not a great super draft play because his multiplier isn't that great, but he will grade out as a very good DraftKings play. 7.8 projected points is my number two overall value play right now. Check out below to see who my number one is at the tight end position because of how cheap he is. So Johnny Smith at $3,200, he makes for a lot of sense in stacks. If you wanted to run back the Baltimore game in Tennessee, I would choose probably Corey Davis. But Johnny Smith, if you're just looking for a cheap option, I do prefer Johnny Smith to Cole Komet. But if you're looking for another option in that Chicago New Orleans game for a run back, a guy who maybe is lower owned, I think Cole Komet's fine. Cole Komet to close out the season, 28 routes running six targets. And then last week, against the Packers. He got nicked up, but he still played 88% of the snaps. He ran 33 routes. He saw eight targets, a season high, eight targets, a season and career high, seven receptions. So now Cole Komet has closed off the season with 14 targets and he's had six or more targets in four out of his last five games since he's basically become this number one option. Jimmy Graham still seeing some red zone usage, but Cole Komet, that is some lovely usage for a rookie tight end down the stretch heading into the playoffs at a very cheap price point. Jared Cook, Austin Hooper, Jimmy Graham, these guys are still in play. They're not completely out of my exposures. And once I run my 150s in my finals, and we can talk about those on Sunday, and Saturday's live stream. So like, subscribe to all those things so you can be notified of when we're doing that. I assume that I will get some of them. But Jerry Cook, overpriced in my opinion at 4,600 relative to some other options. Uh, Austin Hooper in that range, I much prefer a healthy Eric Ebron. And then $3,300 Jimmy Graham. Give me his teammate Cole Komet and definitely John Smith for the cheaper price point. So that's where we're at right now for the Sunday slate. We have already done the Saturday. Now we have done the Sunday. Hopefully you enjoyed these videos. I will not be breaking down the full six game slate in a pre-recorded video. We can touch on that in some of the live streams. These are the two bigger contests or the two bigger uh, just events and slates that are out there. Each have a million maker. Each 
each have a lot of contests after that. The six-game state sadly only has 100K to first and not that many contests after that in terms of tournaments. So thank you for tuning in. Hit the like and subscribe before you go. Support the sponsor of the show, Jock Market. Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Why not? It is a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of fun. Use my code SAL10, S-A-L-1-0, and they will be giving you a free $10 Ruskies to use. Thank you so much, everybody, and I will see you in the next video. Friday, we'll be putting a video out as well. We'll be having a live stream, depending on when you're watching this, for the NBA in the weekdays, weekdays at 4 p.m. East Coast time for NBA DFS. And then on the weekend, we'll be live Saturday, 10 a.m. and Sunday, 10 a.m. East Coast time to break down each of the three game slates and really answer your questions, talk about my own 50 max exposures, get a little bit deeper into that, have a nice Q&A session. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you then and enjoy the rest of your day.